0: Guardian Unlimited Battle is rejoined after a short summer break and Ferrari come out on top in Turkey Felipe Massa dominates to keep his championship hopes alive as the points table closes up A tyre problem costs Lewis Hamilton third place but he still leads the championship after finishing fifth Hello, this is Morris Hamilton of The Observer saying, welcome to Istanbul and the Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited. Now, helping me take a look at the 12th round of the championship is Matt Bishop, editor-in-chief of Formula One Racing. Welcome, Matt, and may I say that my first question is going to be perhaps an obvious one, but could you honestly have predicted a Ferrari 1-2 with Felipe Massa leading home Kemi Raikkonen?
1: In a word, no. I think that the Ferrari driver whom I expected to... uh shine today uh, was in fact Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi, one thought perhaps would have more fuel, that was the rumour everybody was saying, in fact he had slightly less fuel and really you have to say that this was the best win I think of Felipe Massa's career, a brilliant drive a completely, as you say, dominating drive from pole. He won here last year. He seems to know his way around here. A brilliant, brilliant win. Uh, You asked about whether I expected a Ferrari 1-2. Well, of course, I expected a McLaren to figure in there somewhere, and there was a McLaren figuring in there somewhere at one point until, as you say, we had a tyre problem. I expected Lewis to be right up there fighting for the win. That didn't happen, and, of course, the tyre put paid to what chances he had even of a good points scoring finish or a good podium finish?
0: Uh, I mean Mass is a funny guy isn't he because We had two, the usual practice day on Friday and then the free practice Saturday morning. And at no point, really, did he seem to be figuring. He wasn't really doing a great deal. But then suddenly, when it really mattered, that lap in qualifying yesterday was absolute perfection. He he got it right, particularly the last part of the lap where everybody else was losing time. He was the one that did the job. And then, as we've seen before, when he's on form, he actually doesn't crack under pressure, do they? And he had, I mean, Raikkonen was all over the back of him at some point today.
1: Absolutely. I think people have been getting it wrong a bit about Felipe Massa. Many people, his detractors, uh, describe him as one of those drivers, a bit like Mark Webber perhaps, a bit like also Jano Trulli, blindingly quick over one lap, but sometimes fades in the race, sometimes isn't able to string together that sequence of laps that makes a really good race winner as opposed to merely a really good qualifier. But today we really saw that that isn't true. Those critics are wrong i think one has to just say quite baldly and quite flatly that they're wrong today was a brilliant race wing and absolutely didn't falter under as you say enormous pressure albeit from his teammate but we all know that your teammate is your biggest rival your fiercest rival i think everyone at mclaren knows that and it's the same at ferrari too and he did the job on Kimi. And also we saw,
0: of course, he had a problem with the cooling in his helmet, which was, must have been very distracting because there's a vent at the top of mass 's helmet, as all drivers have, to keep their, their heads cool, if you like, keep a cool head under very hot conditions here. And that was actually starting to flap about, and it was lifting his head up under speed and then forcing it down under braking. And he had to actually reach up and deal with that while Raikkonen was only a couple of seconds behind. Now, I think if that was you or me, I'd have been off the road,
1: wouldn't you? Well, if it had been me trying to do anything to do with that in this heat, uh, I, was, I think I was getting quite, quite tired watching it in the air-conditioned press room, to be quite honest with you. But, uh, yes, a brilliant performance, a quick driver, a fit driver, a focused driver. He only looks like a little boy, but there's a hard man in there for sure. Now, uh, I wonder
0: what Raikkonen makes of all of this, because, you know, we know he's quick. He knows he's quick. He gave it everything today. He was pushing him as hard as he could, and he couldn't unsettle Massa. He couldn't get by. And then, as he says himself at the end, which perhaps is a bit of an indictment about Formula One, Matt, but Raikkonen says, I got a bit bored. I couldn't get past. And in the end, I set fastest lap just to see what the car could do from the... I mean, it doesn't say a lot about Formula One, but it says a little bit about how Raikkonen feels at the moment about trying to get past Massa.
1: Yeah, and this circuit, in fact, the Istanbul circuit, is a circuit on which we all thought that it would be easier to overtake in such circumstances. But uh, maybe it was just that Felipe Massa did a very good job, good enough to hold back his uh, extraordinarily talented teammate, Kimi Raikkonen. But talking about Kimi, yes, I laughed at those remarks. I was getting a bit bored. Let's just think for a second. He's cornering at 180 miles an hour. He's on the straights at 200 miles an hour. It's incredibly hot. He's been doing it for 100 minutes. He's absolutely flat out, pouring with sweat, and he does sweat a lot. He takes his helmet off, and he looks hot and bothered and red-faced, but in there he's extraordinarily bored, apparently, very, very bored. And what did he do? And it was very, very clear, as you say, very clear. He realised he couldn't overtake so what did he do? Backed off to give himself some clear air, and then that lap, that fastest lap, the penultimate lap of the race, absolutely extraordinary, to stick it in the 27s there. I mean, I always say about Kimi Raikkonen, if I ever forget the reasons why I fell in love with this sport when I was 10 years old, I only have to go and stand trackside and watch Kimi on the limit, and I'm reminded all over again. It's absolutely marvellous.
0: So we have a McLaren in third place, but it's not, Matt, as we would have expected uh, Lewis Hamilton, and I think he was heading for third place. I don't honestly think he could have done much about the Ferraris, but it was Fernando Alonso who gratefully accepted that place when Lewis had a tyre problem. I don't know if you've been able to pick up any information in the paddock here, but uh, I've just spoken to Bridgestone. They say they're still looking at the tyre. McLaren, I think, are being a little bit more explicit. They're saying it was a delamination, which is another way of saying a tyre failure of some sort. Very rare, one has to say, but it came at a fairly crucial moment for Lewis Hamilton he was lucky actually to get back to the pits and carry on and finish fifth
1: he was indeed and uh, yes like you I haven't yet got to the bottom of it there seems to be a bit of a discrepancy at this time on Sunday afternoon Sunday evening as to whether it was a delamination or a failure or he ran over a bit of debris obviously there are a vested interests in trying to establish which of those explanations is the correct one and hopefully we will find out soon But uh, these things happen, you know, these things do happen in motor racing, punctures do occur, tyres do fail and yes, he was a bit fortunate to be able to get back to the pits. I think he did well, he drove cool-headedly and we've seen that of course most notably and most recently in uh, Nürburgring where he kept the engine going even when his car was hoisted into the air uh, in that extraordinarily wet race and he went on to drive on and uh, I think we saw that again. I certainly expected him to figure and feature at the front of the race, and obviously after that he wasn't able to. But the interesting thing was that Alonso, who did, Alonso, of course, ended up uh, third, and I don't know whether it was joy at his own success or joy at Lewis's failure. Probably joy at Lewis's failure gave him a little bit more pleasure. Because, if you remember, in the press conference after the race, when asked about his race, he said, uh, well, the only thing that could help me would be a miracle. And the miracle came. I mean, for a teammate to describe a technical failure or a puncture or something like that of his teammate as a miracle really does show the extent to which Alonso is rooting for number one and number one only and Lewis can go to hell
0: yeah I think that's another way of saying that this battle between the McLaren drivers despite what the McLaren team tell us is not over at all they are going to fight tooth and nail until the very end of this championship aren't they
1: they are absolutely and Morris, I'm going to ask you now would you take me a bet I reckon that those two drivers are going to collide with each other at some point before the end of the season on a Sunday in a race. I wouldn't take that bet because I've been saying it along it's bound to happen. They're going to get
0: awfully close and they're going to hit each other at some point because they are so keen to win and of course they're still leading the championship and the chances of that collision happening have increased I would say as the gap between the two has decreased. So that's going to make them both very keen to get ahead. Yeah, I think that's something we're going to see. Now Alonso, I think you were talking about him feeling happy about finishing third. Part of that satisfaction, Matt, I would say, comes from the fact that when he completed the first lap he was down in what 6th, 5th place he got swamped by the BMWs bad start he was in 6th place not looking good so to come through and finish third he he got ahead of the BMWs by dint of the pit stop strategy Same. we could talk all night about whether that's good or bad for Formula 1 Matt but that's how he did it so I think relief all round because it looked like 4th was going to be his best place but eventually he got a 3rd so that's what was going on there but Lewis Hamilton down in 5th place he really was quicker than Alonso and Alonso was never going to get near him was he
1: yeah he was quicker than Alonso Lewis was quicker than Alonso as he has been really you have to say and I'm sorry to anyone who is an Alonso fan in the UK if there is such a thing but uh, I do think that the root of the problem the root of the strife the conflict between those two drivers and within the McLaren team when you really boil it down it's quite simple Lewis Hamilton is blowing Fernando Alonso's doors off and Fernando Alonso doesn't like it. End of story. They've lost
0: count of the number of times that Nick Heidfeld has finished fourth. They ought to earmark that point on the results sheets for him. But there he was again, finishing fourth. A very strong drive indeed from the BMW driver, ready to pounce if there's any problem for the favourites, Ferrari and McLaren. And that's exactly what happened. He got ahead of Lewis Hamilton there, took fourth place. Now, ahead of him in the early stages of the race was his teammate. He started further ahead on the grid, Robert Kubica. But BMW seemed to employ a rather strange strategy. They tried a very aggressive strategy by giving a short first stint took a That's probably why he was ahead of Heidfeld on the grid. It didn't pay off because as soon as he stopped early, he just lost places hand over fist all the way through the race. He said the car was a little bit inconsistent after that. And he dropped from what had been fourth at one point right down to eighth. So really a bit of a mixed day for BMW here, but still potentially very strong, man.
1: A bit of a mixed bag, certainly for BMW. And I think the strange thing about BMW is that they seem to be adopting so many different experimental pit stop strategies sometimes you have as in today's race you have the extraordinary thing of a very, very, very early stop for Robert Kubica and yet I remember for instance at Monaco he qualified extremely well only a tenth slower than... uh, Nick Heidfeld, and yet stopped 13 laps later which shows obviously in retrospect what a strong qualifying performance that was and, and what a good race that was for him at that stage. Mystery I think maybe it's simply that they know they can't be third they know they can't be second or first and they know they can't be fourth so in a sense there's almost nothing to play for let's try everything, let's try mix it up, change it, try it cook it, bake it just try to see whatever's going to in some way, throw out a freak chance of an an unusually good result because you just can't beat McLaren and Ferrari by doing something similar to them. So let's try something different on the off chance that something extraordinary might eventuate. And it never really does. It just gets them to roughly, slightly further back than they would have been if they'd done it conventionally. I think the thing they have to be think,
0: thinking about BMW, Matt, is that they, they've got to keep uh, Renault at arm's length, and certainly they're doing that because they scored more points than Renault today. But Renault, after a very disappointing couple of the races, made a pretty strong comeback today because we had a terrific performance from Heike Kovalainen who did a long first stint. That was uh, Renault's strategy paying off very handsomely there, and it moved him up into an eventual sixth place in fact he was chasing Lewis Hamilton ready right to finish closing him down but just didn't quite make it at the end but a good strong drive he said the car was very consistent throughout what about his teammate, Giancarlo Fisichella well first corner incident he uh, tapped the back of Jarno Trulli's uh, Toyota that uh, sent him down the field he pushed on he said the car felt good to Fisichella but he came away with nil point Matt what do we say about Renault that is a big improvement for them but only for the one car I'm afraid
1: Yes, Renault, a weird season when you think that they've won both Constructors' and Drivers' Championships in both of the last two seasons, 2006 and 2005. For Fisichella, who was always shaded by Alonso during those two seasons, those two Championship seasons for Renault, again, a funny season this season. He started off really showing Heikki Kovaline and the way home, I think, And I always thought that Fisichella was a talented driver, and I always thought he was good at driving a poor car. It seems that as the Renault has become a better car, still not a race-winning car, still not a car in any way that you could say was on a par with a Ferrari or a McLaren, or even a BMW, but as it gets better, Heike Kovalainen, it seems, is the one who seems to be taking the fight and leading the battle. What is it about Fisichella? He's extremely talented, but he seems to have a midfield comfort zone he enjoys the midfield and he doesn't like the front what is that about him Maurice?
0: I really don't know but it's been there for quite a while Matt and uh, it, he says that the problem at the first corner was when Jarno truly braked earlier than he physically expected and that's when he went into the back of it well I don't know for a man of uh, physically's experience he should know that that first corner all you have to do is watch the rerun of any race not just Formula 1 any race at this circuit and there's always always an incident at that first corner because it's rather like like the first turn at Interlagos, you come down the main street, you can't actually see the apex of the corner because it's over the brow, and that's when the track's clear. So you can imagine what it's like when you've got cars all bunched up, you can't see your braking zone, you know somebody's going to brake a little bit earlier than usual. You've got to be ready for it. He wasn't. He tapped the back of the... I just thought, oh no, that's not really on, is it, for a man of his experience?
1: No, not for a man who's driven 17 million Grand Prix, or whatever it is that he's driven. Sorry, Giancarlo, but uh, yes, not quite good enough today.
0: the points yet again for the Williams team it's Nico Rosberg good strong drive from him he was consistent as ever making the most of it you get the impression that that is as good as you're going to get from the Williams but while Nico finishes 7th Matt 11th place for Alex Wurz It's not really what he needs Because I don't think uh, Williams have decided On their lineup for next year I know, for example, that Tony Oliuzzi's Got his eye on a place at Williams He really needs to do a little bit better than that I know the irony is that as Wurz has got more championship points than Nico Rosberg But really, at the end of the day, it's what they're doing In the race itself, uh, on average, across the year And it's not totally impressive What's going on?
1: Well, Alex's main problem this year has been qualifying pace. He just hasn't been quick enough in qualifying. Nico has been sensational in qualifying and sensational in the races. I think, as you say, if you want to know how good that Williams is, you just look at how quick Nico Rosberg is driving it, because he is optimising everything all the time and making an extraordinary good name for himself as a result. And, by the way, as a footnote, maybe we'll come back to this, if Fernando Alonso does leave McLaren, which some people think he may do, then I think Nico Rosberg will be the first phone number that uh, Ron Dennis rings, because he's doing such a good job. Now, as you say, Williams are also not yet decided who will be driving for them next year, and this weekend, the Turkish Grand Prix was absolutely critical for Alex Wurtz. He'd had one, if you like, rather fortunate podium in Montreal, although he held it well together, but nonetheless it was a fortunate uh, podium, third place. But then he drove a very, very good race in Nürburgring to be fourth. And then here, what did he do? He qualified 16th, he chose the prime tyre when everybody else, including Rosberg, correctly chose the option. He languished in 16th place, he did what he usually did. One brilliant first lap, he was up to 11th by the end of the first lap, and there... He remained. I don't think he's going to be a
0: happy bunny, do you? No, I don't, I don't. Can I just take up the point on tires that Nudge mentioned in the the prime and the option, the prime being the harder of the two tires available. It was rather interesting at this race to see that it wasn't clear cut, was it? Normally when we go into the race we see McLaren, Ferrari and all the rest deciding more or less on a similar tactic. One tire is better than the other, you use the less favoured one for the final stint towards the end, but here today it was amazing. We had the Ferraris doing two stints on the softer tire, McLaren deciding on the harder one, which made it quite interesting because we were Waiting, of course, for the sparks to fly at the end when McLaren put their soft tyres on. We never really got to see that happen, that it just didn't work. Would you prefer to see a bigger difference between the two tyres, Matt? Do we need that? Was that too close?
1: Perhaps it was a bit close. I think the problem here really was that the prime, the harder tyre, was a little bit hard. It wasn't the quicker tyre, but the option, the softer tyre, gave graining. There were some graining problems which uh, reduced the grip. We certainly saw that, for instance, on Saturday in qualifying with Kimi's lap. Kimi Raikkonen's last sector, already in that one lap, he was suffering graining on the option, the softer tyre. I think it's a complicated issue. Tyres, you could talk about, they really are, in more ways than one, a black art. And the simple fact is that two drivers, really, amongst the top runners or the top half... Alonso and Wurz chose the prime, the harder tyre, because they couldn't make the option, the softer tyre, work because it was graining too much. And this is an interesting point. Maybe they couldn't make it work because both of them have a rather aggressive driving style. You'll find that very rarely do drivers blame graining on their own driving style, but maybe they should sometimes.
0: Matt, could I just take you up on the point there you, you mentioned about uh, Rosberg, we were talking about his future and uh, you mentioned the name McLaren in association with him I do agree that I think uh, Alonso's future at McLaren is, shall we say, limited uh, by his choice, I don't think by the teams, but by his choice and if he does go, obviously McLaren will look at the list of likely guys and uh, you, you are seeing Rosberg, I haven't heard his name mentioned in that respect but I can't disagree with you
1: actually I think Rosberg and McLaren They suit each other. You know, as well as I do, that Ron Dennis likes his drivers clean-cut, neat. Definitely Nico is both of those. His father, KK, is a friend of Ron's, drove for Ron, of course, in the 80s. That will cut some ice as well. He's apparently German, although, of course, many people think he's Finnish, but I'm not allowed to say that. He's German, and, of course, Mercedes-Benz is very German. That would also fit. So I could see that working. And there's another point as well. When Lewis Hamilton was karting, he karted for Team Rosberg, which was run by Kecky Rosberg, and, of course, his teammate was Nico Rosberg. And they got on pretty well. And Anthony Hamilton, Lewis's father, is a friend of Kecky Rosberg, Nico's father. Perhaps it's going to be happy families at McLaren
0: next year. Well, here's a name for you then. If they are looking at a likely guy, and I know he has a contract with Honda, but why not take uh, Jensen Button? He's surely ready to step into
1: a team such as McLaren. I'd love to see Jensen Button at McLaren, and lest we forget, Jensen Button remains a brilliant racing driver. Fantastic. I think we saw that in Nürburgring, those first two laps, fantastic. And let's be honest, if he was in a McLaren this year, he'd be winning races, the same as Lewis Hamilton is. If he was in a Ferrari, he'd be winning races the same as Massa and Raikkonen are, for sure. So I'd love to see him in a McLaren. He deserves it. I don't think it'll happen because I don't think Honda will let it happen, but he'd love it to happen.
0: Now, how did he get on today? There he is. He finished, well 13th. He started from the back of the grid. That was because there was an unscheduled uh, engine change in the Honda, put him at the back. But straight away, he was passing people. He passed more cars than anybody else out there today. Got himself up at one point right up into the points before his uh, a pit stop, but ended up in 13th. It's a
1: pretty impressive race one way or the other, wouldn't you have said? Impressive race, certainly, and uh, Jensen doing what he does, the only thing he can do, really, this year, which is make up places in the early stages, because he's so often qualified poorly or had an incident. He did both, really, this time, and made up the places. An aggressive uh, performance in the early laps, but there's only so far it can take you, because you end up caught up behind a car which you can't get past, and then I think it's a situation... Look, if Kimi Räikkönen thinks it's boring driving around in second place just imagine how bored Jensen Button got today what about the other Brits we had uh, David Coulthard and he made a lightning start
0: he, he took advantage of the confusion at the first corner made up four places but eventually he had to settle for tenth he said the handling of the Red Bull was fairly inconsistent now Anthony Davidson what went wrong there Matt because he was, he made a Demon qualifying lap yesterday into 11th place. I guess he must have got caught up in, in some of the confusion at the first corner because he eventually finished 14th uh, after a pretty lively battle with Jensen Button. But that must be disappointing for
1: him because he did seem to promise a lot. Hugely disappointing for Davidson because yes, as you say, Morris, he was absolutely buzzing after qualifying. He felt he'd driven perhaps the best lap, the best single lap in his Formula One career. And it was a very, very, very good lap. Absolutely on it dealing with the problems of the option, the graining, really quick through turn 8, bottoming out, incredibly impressive. And then, yes, problems and a lacklustre run. Sorry, Anthony, but you have to say it's true. 14th place was not what you were hoping for when he put it 11th, which, of course, is the first, the highest up on the grid where you can fuel up, which he did do. He put a lot of fuel in it and didn't convert it into anything, really. That was Matt Bishop, Editor-in-Chief of Formula One
0: Racing Magazine, joining me here at Istanbul Park, reflecting on the 12th round of the World Championship. And after the victory for Felipe Massa this afternoon, we've got the championship table looking like this. We've got Lewis Hamilton still leading on 84 points. Fernando Alonso has closed the gap. It's now 79. Then we've got Felipe Massa on 69 points, Kimi Räikkönen on 68. There's only 16 points covering the top four drivers with five races to go. The next round will be the Italian Grand Prix at Monza in a fortnight's time. Ian Phillips will be back with me then, so please join us on the Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited for a review of that race. But in the meantime, please remember, drive safely, keep the revs up. And this is Morris Hamilton saying thanks a lot for joining me. Guardian Unlimited